0: Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. It's a victory version of football and random things. Something good happened
1: in 2020, Jared. Something good happened in 2020. You done cutting me off? No, I'm not. I mean, if we're being totally honest, at some point through the rest of this, I'm going to cut you off again.
0: It's a Monday following Iowa State's 37-34 win over TCU. As a reminder, as always, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, fueled by our friends at Cody Road in the Mississippi River Distilling Company. I'm sure that Jeff Woody had some Cody Rhodes Saturday night after the win to celebrate uh, victory. You're not wrong. Get ourselves set up for a a big-time, prime-time showdown with the Oklahoma Sooners at Jack Trice Stadium Saturday evening.
1: How did you feel about the game on Saturday? It was... So coming after you can't talk about this one without talking about the first one. Mm -hmm. And so after week one, there was, mostly bad with some good you know like you look at generally how the defense played in week one um their rushing defense is also was generally pretty good uh they got a ton of pressure on the quarterback in week one but offensively once downing went down they couldn't figure out how to run the ball uh brock and the receivers were completely off page with, with each other charlie wasn't in so there wasn't a reliable threat to actually get the ball moved when you needed to uh, so and then special teams were absolute hot garbage in week number one so there's mostly bad with some good this week was mostly good with some bad so it still wasn't all good like we're not I'm not looking at this game like because they won it and TCU was I think another thing to think about TCU is actually pretty good like I think by the end of their offense they were going through the same first game kind of clunkiness that Iowa State did. Um But, you know, especially when that was without Duggan, once they put Duggan in, it started to move the ball a little bit more. I think by the end of the year, we talked about this right before we started, TCU is going to be definitely in the upper half of the Big 12. They're a good team. Um, So beating a good team and only playing mostly good with a pretty fair amount of bad, that's a good sign for Iowa State. But there's still some stuff that needs to clean up, and that's not anything – and it's not anything that's like – you know, if you don't clean this up, you're going to lose every game, but it's still stuff. Like if you want to be. When I think the you know, whole championship aspirations thing, like coming into this season, you know, week one threw that off for a lot of people, but I don't think it threw it off for the coaching staff and the players. If you want to have championship aspirations, there are things that are going to need to get cleaned up, but this was leaps and bounds better as you would expect week one to week two to improve. But there's still a lot of stuff that is going to have to get improved upon in order to be, you know, to win on Saturday, you're going to have to do all these things correctly in order to beat Texas. You're going to have to do all these things correctly and to just not, you know, you you have to beat Kansas State. You have to beat West Virginia. You have to beat Oklahoma State. In order to be championship level, you're going to have to beat all these teams. And a lot of these things are going to have to get cleaned up. But moral of the story, mostly good with some bad as opposed to mostly bad with some good.
0: Yeah, and and I know Chris and Brent talked about this on their podcast last night and then, uh, you and I just talked about it here a little bit, but for the, and, and you say TCU is a good, it's going to be a good football team. I mean, that I think if it was not their first game, maybe things go a little bit differently. Uh But I thought Iowa state played like it, a five or a six out of 10 and they beat a good team, which mm-hmm. is something that in, in a, in previous seasons probably
1: wasn't going to happen. Iowa state probably doesn't win that game last year. I would think. Well, they, And they actually got a turnover, right? Yeah. Like the thing that, the 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 thing that this defense doesn't do very well, like generally speaking, you look at almost every metric. They usually get pressure. They usually have a pretty good yards per game. They usually have a pretty good pass the run defense. They have they they take care of a lot of stuff defensively. But one thing they've not done is create turnovers. Well, they created turnovers. I mean, you win the turnover battle, you have explosive plays, you're probably going to win that game. It's the inverse of what Iowa State did in week number one, where they were oh oh and two meanings they got zero turnovers and they gave the ball away twice where this week they were two and one and the one was an absolute just dumpster fire of a play. But that aside, they earned more than they gave. Yeah. Not only that,
0: but they were able to get points off of them, you know, which it's one thing to force turnovers, but it's another thing to be able to turn those turnovers into points. And they were able to do that quickly then with the, uh, the pass to Darren Wilson right before halftime, which was huge. And then, um, to get the Brees Hall touchdown run that kind of sealed it at the end. But I just, I think that when you look at, there's a few players in this game that I think deserve a game ball, you know, it's like, okay, Alan Lazard got the game ball last night for the green Bay Packers after the, they beat the saints. Which if was I was really going to cool. hand out some, what?
1: Which was really cool, by
0: the which way. was really cool. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to give out game balls for this game, first one goes to Brees because Brees was on beast mode. Uh, we'll give another one to Kanae. For his one carry for 49 yards and a touchdown, <laughs> uh, man, and on the offense, give a damn game ball to the red shirt freshman guard Daryl Simmons, who steps in uh, after never playing a snap in his career and is up there leading the way for uh, one of be- Iowa State's best rushing games in two years, first time and over 200 Donald, yards in we- a. What's up?
1: And, and not only are we talking best game in a couple, in a couple years, like these are statistically like, what? Like some of these numbers are absolutely insane that Iowa State was 28 rushing attempts for 7.6 per carry in a Big 12 conference game. 7.6 per carry.
0: There was a point midway th- or like early in the fourth quarter, they were averaging 11.6 yards per carry. That's Iowa State nuts. was. That is nuts. Against TCU. Not not against Kansas. Not against, uh, you know, uh, Louisiana Monroe. No. Against the TCU. The, the consistently the best defense in the league the last 10 years. And uh, like I said, shout out to Daryl Simmons. Shout out to Sean Foster, Joey Ramos, Colin Newell, Derek Schweiger, all those guys.
1: Because uh, they stepped up in a big way. I would say Newell. I'd give Newell a game ball in specifics because – um, a lot of the successful runs that they had were interior runs. It wasn't even necessarily like they're trying to pitch it out or, or, Hey, can go be fast? Like that happened. But the access that he gained was, it was like between t- literally between the tackles from guard to guard is where they were running most of the, where they're making most of the running attempts, and they were just getting everyone on the right spot. So like the, the doing you know, from a like a, 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 we've explained this a thousand different times, but a different metaphor is the center is the general contractor, the other guys are the actual ones, like the guy that does the flooring and the, the framing and stuff like that. The actual work is done by the offensive line, but the one that coordinates it all together is the center. And so any good job by the rest of these guys is awesome. Like, you know, you're building a house, you have a flooring guy, the floors are imperfect. He gets definitely the credit, but you also have to credit the general for lining that guy up and getting him in the right timing so he could be successful and having him set up. So like that touchdown that, or that that huge run that – can pop or not, pop, uh, uh, that Brees popped off that 70 something yarder, he got, he got everything opened up correctly. And then Saner was able to fit in to square up that linebacker. But the the space that F- Saner had to fit in was huge. which allowed Brees to be patient to t- to essentially take the angle that he wanted to take. And then Sean Shaw was doing a good job blocking down the field. Uh, Xavier Hudson was doing a job, good, good job blocking down the field. So I credit Colin Newell, a, a ton for getting everyone in the right spot. And then, yeah, the rest of the offensive linemen for doing their job once they were in the right spot by the center.
0: Yeah. And that's where uh, Dylan Sainer deserves a, a game ball as well. I think we're giving away every ball that was used in the football game, <laughs> even TCU's balls. Uh But I mean, he was, he was huge in being the lead blocker for those guys. And the thing about what Kane has done so far this year is it's not in any way what I expected him to be where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we need to get this guy out into space. They're, tur- he's, they're like, all right, can you're going to run right through, you're going to run right off the guards, butt. you're going to make one guy miss. And then you're going to turn on the afterburners and say, try and catch me.
1: Wasn't that, and fun. no one's catching him. Wasn't that fun? Like when, when Brees got in the open field, Brees Hall's fast. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. He's very fast. But like, there was, there was a, a guy that had an angle that in your head, you're like, Perceptively, like maybe this guy's going to run him down. When they got in the open field and he started to like full turnover, like he is. Yeah. He, he's in full gallop. You look at the guys behind you like, dude, not a shot. No yeah. Chance. And that, that's,
0: what's funny. When I was watching the game, I saw him because he, he got through the line and then he makes that guy miss like right out, kind of out at the other hash. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second that he made that guy miss, I was like, Oh, he gone. He gone, you know, like don't. not catching him. And uh, that – I don't know, man. I mean, this Iowa State running game, like they – I think that there's a case to be made right now that Brees Hall might be the best running back in Big 12.
1: True. And and Hubbard doesn't – hasn't had a lot of time. Yeah. Like he's only had two – we're only two games in. So – But through two games. Through two games, yeah. I mean, this – Brees' game on Saturday was probably, I mean, again, we, I have not watched all the rest of the Big 12 games. I cannot say this for sure. But you'd be hard-pressed to find another player who had a better game through these two weeks and all the Big 12 opponents in a game that meant something. Like, you may have had a guy that ran for 275 yards, but they're, you know, again, hypothetically, I don't know. But like you, a guy who runs for 275 yards, but they win by 30, 38 points against a, a team that is non-conference, the game doesn't really matter. This game mattered, and this game was necessary. Uh, the, this In order for Iowa State to win, he had to have done those things. So offensively, I think this this is the game. That style game is what Iowa State and Matt Campbell want every game. is If you could average 7.6 yards per carry with, I don't even know how many explosive runs, like seven 15-yard-plus runs. So if you could have – that type of running production, the rest of, they scored 37 and it's a wonder they only scored 37. You know, Mm -hmm. when you, when you have that core of the offense, that's exactly what an offense, an Iowa state offense wants to do. And yet it still felt like there was something missing. And, you know, the the first quarter was, I think a lot of, you know, like, like if you've ever watched a Floyd Floyd Mayweather boxing match, the first five periods, He's not doing anything. He's just, okay, what are you, where is, what is your feel? What's your go-to just feeling out what the other guy wants to do it. So I think Iowa state in the first quarter was doing a little bit of that because they had no film. And so once you got, once you got beyond that and Brees popped that 75 yarder after that kind of the floods floodgates opened. But again, it still felt like there was something off, like they, the, the, passing game, which of all of the things in football takes the longest to develop some type of coordination and consistency, um, especially in an offense that 's predicated on timing like Iowa states is uh, it, it, it's still there 's still something like you know th- there's still something that needs to happen for that Iowa State offense to be at full potential, but the running game is that running game can carry you know that running game to be able to consistently move that much that 'll carry because And here's the other thing that was encouraging about that running game, that it could be replicated, that it wasn't one party or the other. So there's the blockers and the ball carriers, right? Like there's two elements of a running game. The blockers are more important than the ball carrier when it comes to getting 10 yard runs, like you just getting to, I, I was not a big open field runner, believe it or not, but I was generally pretty good at setting up blocks to get myself to 10 yards and that kind of stuff that was easier because the blockers doing their thing and making sure that they did their job, you just have to follow the road. And you know, it's, it, the bike path is paved at that point. You just have to follow where that bike path is. So that first part, that first 10 yards is all the blockers. Then after that, that is street ball. Once you get into the open field and you're 10 yards down the field, your receivers have to go block. And that needs to happen in order for big plays to happen, which also, which also occurred, but you got to be able to make people miss. Like you have to be, able to there is going to be a safety there is going to be an unblocked player on every play because unless the quarterback is running and even if the quarterback is running there's 11 defenders and someone has to carry the ball which means there's 11 guys trying to tackle there's only 10 guys that can block so there will be an unblocked defender on every single play so you are going to have to make someone miss to have a big play unless someone's totally out of position so the first 10 yards is the blockers more or less and the back however far is the ball carrier is do you have a guy that can make people miss and whether you were talking about kane or whether you're talking about uh Brees more specifically Brees he was making people miss and that's the thing that he does the best is that open field um it's kind of like Dalvin Cook when Dalvin Cook is doing well where he doesn't it's, he's not making like these incredible Barry Sanders, Saquon Barkley, like juke moves that moves him like eight feet sideways. It's more a a light little stutter that gets someone off balance. And then he just, they're going to, he's going to give them a really long side to slide off of. And so, but Brees was making people miss. Can made someone miss on that really big run. So both parties, the blocking was really good to get them to 10 yards. And then the, actual back the ball carrier himself was making people miss to take it. Another additional portion. If it was just good blocking, or if it was just good running, you've seen those games where in, again, back to Barry Sanders, he would make 13 people miss on a play because it would make one guy miss a tackle twice and runs for 18 yards. And you're like, Holy shit. Well, you're not going to get that type of uh, you. You're not gonna be able to do that every single play. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Whereas this type of running game, when it's blocked that well is sustainable because of the ball carriers and the tight ends fullbacks that Iowa state has to move people around. So that's a good sign for the rest of the year that the blocking was good. In addition to the running of the ball was also good. So both parties executed well.
0: All right. So I've got two things to say to everything that you just said there. You said a lot of stuff. Uh, first of all, Jeff Woody track speed guy, is all I've ever known you as. I don't know where that, how you would ever get that mixed up. Definitely a track speed guy.
1: Uh, I, uh, I will always maintain. I'm not slow. I'm just slow for the expectation of what a tailback is. I was still four six four seven, but I'm not four four. And everyone wants you to be four four. So still fast. I'm just not James White. I don't have that.
0: Uh, and then, all right. I got a question. I'm putting you on the spot. David Montgomery, two years into his sophomore season, or Brees Hall, two years into two games into his sophomore season. Who are you taking?
1: Mm. Whew. Okay, give me uh, context on the other side of this. Are we playing in this offense or the offense that he was in before? See, and that's what I. That's where I.
0: The way you were explaining that in my mind, when you're talking about Barry Sanders, I was thinking about David because yeah. David would do those things because he had to because the yeah. blocking was bad, and that's where I don't know how much better would David be if he was in an offense where it was being blocked to this level, you know, but you mm-hmm. also have to keep in mind that as a sophomore, David was in his second year of playing running back.
1: So and it's he, like his track wasn't very good either. He wasn't helping himself with the blockers. Yeah. He was just being a freak athlete. Um, so yeah, that David Montgomery example David Montgomery versus brees Hall is probably a more apples to apples comparison. When David would run, when he was able when he was doing stuff, when he was actually playing, you're like, damn, this guy's really good. But it felt so effortful. Everything he had to scrap for six yards. Where Brees, you're like, wait, that play got eleven? Like that's the kind of the 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 because he makes it look easier. So in this offense, I don't Brees at two years and David at two years, Brees is more of a fit for this particular offense. However, the physicality and, and just pure talent of David Montgomery. You want to pretty much take that all the time and just teach him how to do stuff now that he actually has an offensive line to block with. But um, I don't know. Brees is, he is, he is a different style runner that is much more patient than David was. And it's, it, it suits what this offense wants to do. So it's a good fit for the system. And to give you a political answer, I would say I would take Brees uh, because of how it fits, but I would never turn down Montgomery because if you have an athlete like that, you get that dude on the field. Yeah, and I
0: think, um, I think the thing for me with, uh, with Brees is, and I mean, I, I, we've said this. I know we've talked about this. I've talked about this with Jay before. The dude's just a running back, man. Like He just looks he like he was born to play running back. And uh, that's where I think the difference is between him and David, where, like I said, David was still learning how to play running back at that point in his career. Brees Hall looks like he came out of the womb knowing how to play running back. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why you're seeing him have success so quickly is it's like, if you can do everything else around him, that guy is going to be really freaking good, you know? And that's not that he wouldn't have been good if the blocking wasn't that good. I'm sure he would have been fine, but he probably would not have been near as good as what he is now. Uh, and it's like the offensive line is making him look even better than what he is. But that that goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. And I think we even kind of texted about this on on Saturday. What was so encouraging to me was for the first time in, against a team not called Kansas, Iowa State dominated the line of scrimmage in this game. On both sides. On both sides. And I'll, uh, I'll read you a – I got a quote from Gary Patterson. Um, Okay, so this was after the game on Saturday said there is no silver lining. We came to play. You've got to play to win But when I came here 23 years ago, they played to play close. That's not what we do You get ready for the games you're supposed to win and then the big games take care of themselves for two years in a row Iowa State has gone after us for whatever reason. They've had our number at the end of the day We've got to do a better job against bigger physical teams Iowa State is bigger and out physicaled TCU on Saturday, which is the thing that I sit here and I'm like, what in the hell twilight zone world do we live in where Gary (laughs) Patterson is like, yeah, they just kicked our asses
1: up and down the field. It's, it's a wonderful thing to live with. And you're without your best offensive lineman, you know, like it could be even that could have been worse. Assuming that Trevor Downing would have been able to play, it could have been worse. So that's again, that, that is an encouraging sign that back to what I was saying before, there's two parts of a running game. There's the first half, there's the first eight to 10 yards, which is the lineman blocking. And there's the back half, which is the ball carrier doing crazy, crazy special stuff. Both parties worked this week. And the other fun part is now defensively, you know, the big question that you had uh, coming into the season, that's a big question the, the The unknown, because it wasn't. I I feel like the the connotation of the big question means a thing that could be bad and might not be. It wasn't necessarily that we expected it to be bad. You just didn't know what you were going to get. It was going to be at at worst okay with the defensive line, especially the interior defensive line, because you had guys uh, like Isaiah Lee. You had guys like you know your Robertson, Iwazareke, the other Bailey. You have you have guys in there, but you just didn't know who was going to show up. Now. That defensive line is a strength. It is absolutely a strength. And the funny thing that they were that they were mentioning is is well, flip sides to the to the defense. And I'll I'll mention this quickly, and you can give your defensive game balls now. Uh, is when when Jaquan Bailey was absolutely running rough shot in the backfield, and Helfrich, because we all had to watch this game, you know, through the TV, and we're going to mm-hmm. watch. Presumably, most of us are going to watch the game through the TV, so we you ha- you get to feel the announcers. Um, when Helferch was saying like, all right, they're going to shift, they got to shift to number three. I'm like, do you realize that number nine is the one on the other side? Yeah. Like, yeah. You really want that guy to be your single block. So now you have that you have your, your, your pass rushers. You have four, you have Zach Peterson. You have Jaquan Bailey. You have Will McDonald. You have any Wazarike. Those are your four pass rushers at what point Oh, in the trail bankston. And Latrobe, well, I was talking about as an edge. Okay, at the like, edge, yeah. At, at which edge rusher do you feel comfortable leaving single blocked? If you have to, because you're going to have to double one of them. If McDonald and Bailey are in the field, like they were in like the back half of that, mm-hmm. like in, in the back half of the second half when they were really just doing that drop eight thing, which one you get a single block? I don't know if you really want to single block any anybody at all. Like, yeah. Waziriki is maybe the only guy you can get away with if you have a tackle that's big enough Maybe. But then he was the one that caused the sack fumble. Or no, no they, that was Jaquan. Jaquan did. Uh,
0: but they, they did try and do a single block on any one time, and he went and he just destroyed Max Duggan like in about half a second. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah. who are
1: you, you going to single block? And now your interior guys, like I think they're sort of starting to fill their roles um, where your two bigger, your two better run stoppers are Isaiah Lee and then um, Josh Bailey. And then your. Latrell Bankston as of yet is your, your pass rushing nose guard. Cause the dude, he has really good hands and you can get up the field. He's the Jamal he got, Johnson type. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you have three good interior linemen and you have four good uh, outside rushers and that's not including anything in the second level, which you have, you know, your micros, your Orion Vance, who Orion Vance loves playing around the quarterback. And then Jay Comell plays more in space, but like, You're not talking, and Gary Vaughn, shout out to Gary Vaughn, who had a hell of a game too. You're not talking about anything second level. That defensive line is now a strength for Iowa State, which is, again, really cool. To go back to what Patterson said, the bigger, stronger, more physical teams we have to deal with. Iowa State has that now. They have seven defensive linemen for three spots.
0: Yeah, and I think you can just see with, I mean, game ball, I'm going to give another game ball here. Game ball to Dave Andrews. Iowa State's team just looks different this year, I think. Like, they Jaquan Bailey looks like a badass Mm -hmm. out there, and he is as fast as I've ever seen him. Uh, And Dave
1: Andrews, new strength and conditioning coach for those. Yeah,
0: strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Uh, Especially considering all the stuff that they've had to deal with to do strength and conditioning in the last seven months, Mm -hmm. you know? but, I mean, I think that if I was going to give it a game, I don't know I could pick just one. I mean, Jaquan obviously would deserve one. Uh, congrats to Jaquan on being the all-time leader in sacks and tackles for loss at Iowa State now.
1: He's also in one thing that I think most people saw on TV, but he's the second in, in the country right now. He is second in active sacks, and I think he's only one behind a dude from Miami. Who that dude from Miami, I'm pretty sure, is projected to be like a top 10 pick.
0: Yeah. Uh, there, I also saw a statistic today. I want to say it was like since the beginning of November, last year uh will McDonald has eight sacks
1: <laughs> in like the last six games uh yeah you're gonna single block that dude, but three on one side. you double double team three you' You're gonna leave nine single yeah, blocked?
0: And, and I think if you're gonna i mean if I was gonna say anybody of that group that's like okay we're gonna leave them single blocked it probably would have to be Zach Peterson, but I don't know that I would really want to single block him either, you know, <laughs> and uh I The one thing I will say is I thought that they, early in the game, the reason that TCU seemed to be getting some of the momentum that they were in the rushing game was they were rotating those defensive linemen so much that it was like you have, like, three different groups out there at different times, and then one guy, like, one group will start to get gashed, and then they've got it, like, rolling downhill, and then you can't get them off the field fast enough. And I was like Mm – it it was like every time they would switch the lines, then TCU would start to get some momentum going – and then they'd switch it or like and then they'd finally get it figured out and get them stopped. And then they'd switch it again and then they'd get momentum. And then they'd get them, get it figured out and get it stopped. And then they'd switch it again and get momentum. And I was like, okay, like let's calm down a little bit with the uh the switching. I understand what you're doing, but it's like they're starting to kick your ass here a little bit moving the ball down the field.
1: And and one thing too, um the the thing that uh, TCU did do actually really well offensively is once they got Duggan in, I think the the what's the other kid's name? Uh, Matthew Downey. The, the downing kid um, when he was in there, he was making just really smart decisions. It was there. They, they were running just good routes. They were getting the ball out there, but that was that first quarter was vanilla versus vanilla that neither one because TCU had Iowa state already had a game. TCU didn't have a game in yet uh, neither one was super sure what the other one was going to be doing. I mean, granted TCU had a better idea of Iowa state, like, Hey, they came out and this is their personnel and this is what they like to do. So here are the places that we can exploit them. And granted TCU still made a bunch of dumb mistakes, which is why it was zero, zero at the end of the half or at the end of the first quarter. Um, but it was vanilla versus vanilla. And then when they put Duggan in, um, Iowa state kind of flipped, they, 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 at that point they were already up mostly two scores and they were still playing a little vanilla, but the space in between. So like that second quarter um, into like the beginning part of the third quarter, they started playing a lot more aggressively. Once they sort of found out what uh, Downing wanted to do, what he didn't like and what their, that offense was doing in there. And then Haycock and Campbell ratcheted up the things that he doesn't like. They swatch they switch in Duggan and they have to go back to vanilla because they lose the, um, the what they like to do again it was vanilla all the way around this is going to get much more complex as the season goes along they ended up just a lot a lot more you know drop the the three deep five under like they always play they did bring a little bit a little bit of pressure by the end of the game um but even still like they were playing probably a lot more conservatively than you would expect um mike rhodes and
0: jake hummel get a game ball i want to say that one the safeties get no game balls no game balls for the safeties. Yeah, safeties. It was a tough, tough situation there for the safeties with the, with the coverage lapses a little bit.
1: Yeah. S- still in the same light. But wh- I think where I was trying to go with that one is what – if you were to play this game six weeks from now, I think Iowa State would have a better handle of what TCU wants to do. Okay. Uh, TCU's talent got them points. Like that's what that – it was yeah. – the fact that they have these super explosive athletes, like Tay Barber is a a ridiculous athlete. And so you have a guy like Tay Barber, who you just have to look at the whole time and then you just go, okay, Duggan is going to scramble around and find something. And so their athletes got them successful. And Iowa State still blew a couple of coverages was one of those things that wasn't great, but um, their athletes made it successful. Iowa State would be, again, later in the year, they'd know who you can fade towards, who you can fade away, uh, who to kind of counteract those athletes. Um, But it was defensively, it was still good, but a lot of things, again, mostly good, some bad. What did you see?
0: What was, do you think, the issue there? I mean, they had a couple of those plays where guys were, there, there was the one where Mark Helfrich was like, yeah, they just ran a four-verts concept. I was like, man, Mark Huffler's just been out here put, watch, playing a little NCAA football ever since he lost all of his <laughs> jobs that he had. Uh, but um, the, like the guy that scored the touchdown just ran straight down the middle of the field without anybody there. And I was like, uh, well, I hope that that wasn't the way that that was supposed to work defensively.
1: Well, I'm sure that was um, communication because who are you going to pass off? Who's going to take who? Different route concepts um okay i know that if there's a crosser or if there's a whatever i can let that go to my line the linebackers are going to carry that or whatever and those are things a kind of continuation of things as the start of the season that you're going to have like screw ups here or there that all right we got to understand when this guy crossed, you know, uh, let's say, I think it was because it was like a tight end that like ran essentially a, a, a cross seam. So like he, he ended up, he lined up left or left attached and went to the right hash. So like he was coming across the field as a vertical. That one just involves a lot of talking, like not necessarily talking but like un- a lot of feel as to who's going to take who. And if you don't know who's supposed to take who because I think it was 88, the one that was just a wide open touchdown where it was. Yeah, he was lined
0: up went. out. He was lined up on the hash though, like in the, like in a flex
1: spot type thing. But because. it was, it was on the left side. So we crossed, it was between two linebackers in front of a safety. So he was oh, running okay, yeah, yeah, ball okay. over his right shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, something like that involves, is the linebacker gonna carry, going to carry him? I, you know, I thought he was going to carry, is, is the other safety, if they're playing a three deep, I don't know if they were or not. Um, if they're playing a three deep, do I stay over here and does the safety move over to carry anything middle? And then the corner plays off, like all that stuff is just essentially understanding what different situations and what your rules are. And sometimes that just doesn't click right away. You know, like maybe it was a blown play. Maybe it was a great call or whatever. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the stuff that still needs to come back into continue to come and, and dial together. But um, generally with the defense, I mean, TCU scored 34 points. Let's take like seven of that off because the, the, the Purdy brain fart. Not even worth seven. trying to sit here and explain because it's inexplicable. Just brain fart. Like, that was a terrible play. I think everyone understands that it's a terrible play. So that's seven. So it brings them down to 28. Then there's one, another six points that were just at the end of the game. Um, all right. Well, they just – they scored. It was another six points. So take 13 points off of that. Iowa State held TCU to 21 points. Again, in, the, in, in week one um, – Louisiana State score, or Louisiana, or sorry, not Louisiana State. That'd be a much worse game. Louisiana. I don't scored. know. And they gave up 700 yards passing the other day. That's, that's, that's the, that's the leech though. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, the wise man. But anyway, they was 31. So 31, 14, I think it was the yeah, final score. Yeah. Yeah. Take two away and, for, yeah. 14 touchdowns 14 points of that were taken away because special teams touchdowns. So you're down to 17. So they've given up, the defense has given up 17 and 21 points respectively to two pretty good offenses. So all in all, Iowa State's defenses have played pretty well. Um, uh, again, save for four, f- what I would consider as fluke or completely would we'll just wipe them off the board touchdowns. Cause that one at the end of the game, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's no mathematical way you can score nine points on one play. So, whatever you know. So, generally pretty good. A couple blown coverages still. Uh, as,
0: um, man, what was I going to say? Oh, as uh, as Al Michaels would say, that touchdown did matter to some. <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the the friend, our friends in the, the desert. desert. It mattered to our friends in the desert. Uh, all right, last couple things here. Um, if there was ever a time for the defense to kind of take the let the hair loose a little bit and, and take some vanilla out. I would say it might be a, this Saturday against a redshirt freshman quarterback who uh, appears to have a propensity to get a little bit rattled.
1: Did, did you just use a pun? What? did, did you mean to do that pun?
0: No, it's just like the easiest way to do it. You know, it's not, It that's just the best word for it. And it just so happens that his name is Rattler.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say, well, you got some good game film that uh, Kansas State showed. And they also have an advantage that we talked about earlier in the week, that your best players, or not your best players, one of your strengths on defense is getting in a position to hit a quarterback. They've already played two mobile quarterbacks that are in the same general mold of six foot one, can run a little bit, good arm. Those three things all apply to Levi Lewis, Max Duggan, and now Spencer Rattler. So they've played the same quarterback, more or less, for three straight weeks. It's just one was left-handed. But you have the capacity now. You know what to do. You put on film that you don't want to single block number three. You don't want to single block number nine. You don't want to single block 58. You really don't want to single block Latrell Bankston. There's not a lot of comfort you can have. So one of the things that Oklahoma does, and they're going to have their stuff, like Oklahoma's going to score. We cannot deny the fact that it is the best offensive coach in the country. Lincoln Riley is the best offensive coach. I don't know, maybe Mike Leach, but bar none in the country. So if you have a strong defensive line, that throws everything that Oklahoma wants to do off even though they're still going to score, they're going to get their stuff done. They're going to make adjustments. They're going to get down there. But a lot of times what Oklahoma wants to do is they're going to predicate everything off the fact that our offensive line is better than yours. And we can more or less leave less people to block your people and give our, our really fast wide receivers our really good tight ends space to operate. And we're going to operate on rhythm because we know in order for you to stop our run game, you got to bring people to the party and you got to look in the backfield all the time. Iowa state doesn't really have to do so much of that anymore because of what they've got on the defensive line. And then when you get them into a position where they need to, or want to throw three, nine, 58, 55, those guys can all just cut it loose and go rush the passer. And you hit, like you talked about, you hit Spencer Rattler and you make him feel like he has to do everything. He's still young enough to feel like he has to do everything and you can work him into poor decisions. And again, Turning the ball over is going to be a big thing. Kansas State does that very, very well. is getting turnovers. Iowa State doesn't as of yet. Um, but if you can force them into stupid decisions, you can keep yourself in a good position. And then the other thing that uh, that applies going into next week is Iowa State in what total plays? How many total plays they have? Um, I think it was third, twenty less total plays than TCU ran, mm-hmm. but they had they out they had more time of possession and they averaged seven point six per carry. So if you're a team like Oklahoma who predicates themselves on you know, basically take the last year that game, they could have slash should have maybe almost won when they went for two. The first half and the second half is how you lose to Oklahoma is get behind them in score and then you have to throw how you beat Oklahoma is keep their offense off the field and make them panic. And that's how you can do it is if you average 7.6, you know what? Let's spot him a yard. If you average 6.6 yards per carry, you force Oklahoma out of the that that offensive rhythm that they stay in and you make the quarterback have to be an average human. And if you make the quarterback be an average human, every person's just a person and they can start making mistakes. So this running game that Iowa State has an offense, plus the defensive line that they have um, – to be able to rush the passer and create pressure and stop uh, generally slow down the run with good linebacker play behind it, without having to bring a bunch of, you know, without having to walk eyes with down in the box that sets themselves up well to match up against Oklahoma. However, we didn't necessarily talk about too much on the bad stuff, right? Things were was mostly good, some bad, the bad things that Iowa state's going to have to continue to get better on. If you think that TCU is going to run different route combinations to screw up your coverage, you have not played Oklahoma. Because if, again, the best offensive coach, he's going to find, okay, when does, you know, call it 24. When does 24 get too eye heavy? When does he start to sink too far down? When does he start to shade too far to one side? Let's put him in that position over and over and over again, and they're going to find a weakness and needle it. So the things that have to get better with Iowa State are those blown coverages. We saw it in the first game with that big ADR touchdown. We saw it with the two big touchdown, two big kind of open field touchdowns that TCU had. Iowa state is going to need to, they cannot blow coverage against Oklahoma or they will score again and again and again from 60 yards out because Lincoln Riley puts them in great situations. On the other side, the, what is going to continue to develop is we, you know, it's the timing stuff It's those timing routes that we had talked about in that or which I think you mentioned uh, Bruns said on chris's show after week one the thing that takes the longest to develop for an iowa state offense a timing offense is the actual timing of the receivers and the quarterbacks so they're gonna have to do that you know it started to get there having charlie back helped is you know on first down your goal on first down is just get four yards if you can get four yards you set yourself up second and six or less then you're good which is why they threw those arrow routes like just that out route to the tight end for like five yards, six yards on first down because they knew they had it. It's a good, easy, cheap six yards. It's just as good as a six yard run. So those kind of things, those little timing routes helped, but how many timing routes did you throw to any wide receivers? One, the one to acres, which was really good play design. They just let a fast guy run. So maybe one timing route to the wide receiver. So Charlie and Brock picking up where they left off. They, they got timing down. Saner started because Charlie was there. He was starting to get more single coverage um, when he would come out of the backfield as an H back with a linebacker, which gives a good advantage for him. So your tight ends are kind of doing what you expected them to do. The wide receivers still have to pick it up. Like they've still got to find a way to get these timing routes, these digs, these kind of comebacks. Yes. Joe skates made a hell of a catch down the field. It's a good ball by Brock and a left it where only his guy could get it, but you can't rely on that kind of stuff with this offense. So, the receivers, the receiver quarterback relationship still has to continue to get better. The running game, that's going to travel really good job. The, the intermediate stuff to the tight ends, to your H backs, to, you know, Saner and Kolar and to an extent, Chase Allen, like those guys, that's going to be fine. They're, they're already kind of coming, coming of age there, but the quarterback wide receiver relationship, that's the thing that still has to improve because there are going to be things Oklahoma defensively is not very good. Uh, they haven't been very good for years. And you get them in positions. If you can get an open space to make people miss, which again, lends itself well to breeze and Canadian and those guys, but you're going to have to get your people out in space. You're going to have to get Xavier Hutchinson open and let Xavier Hutchinson make some plays. let let Sean Shaw use those 13 foot arms and stiff arms. Someone you got to get space. So the things that still need to come along are pass defense and making sure that you're clear in your coverages and who has who, and then you're passing off your kind of more open passing offense. Those are the things that were pretty pedestrian this week, which again, you mentioned it before when you play a five or a six out of 10 and still win, it wasn't comfortable, but it wasn't, I don't know. It it wasn't something that you were like, man, they're for sure going to lose this game. It was, yeah, they have the propensity too. But anyway, those are the two things coming into Oklahoma that they're going to do really well, that you need to be able to exploit.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but when you look at Oklahoma's offense, the one thing about them for me this year is there's not that guy that TV. is like, is the one that is like, okay, we have to know. I mean, there's going to be someone like, uh, obviously they, they're they Oklahoma. They recruit at an incredibly high level and like, like five-star players and stuff like that, but there's no CD lamb out there, you mm-hmm. know, like there's no, uh, you know, whoever else I, uh, guess
1: that he's really shepherd Ryan yeah, Boyle
0: yeah whoever it doesn't matter one of there's it just doesn't seem like there's that one guy that's like just throw me the ball and I'll win us the damn football game you know what CD could do against like when he would catch the ball and throw people out of bounds against Texas or like when he's running twice across the field against whoever you know and you're like wow okay this guy is just a different breed mm-hmm. and uh I don't I don't know that they have that guy this season, or at least no one has emerged as that guy yet. Uh, and then um, the defense still, you can just tell when they get punched in the mouth, it doesn't take too many times getting punched in the mouth to, for them to be the Oklahoma that we've always known them to be.
1: It's the same thing. It's a culture. That's a problem. Like um, defense has to be performed as a team. Like, uh, football is a very, it's a, it is a team game. It's it, to me, it's one of the, you know, every, every sport says it's the most team game, you know, soccer, or fo- European football players are going to say soccer is a team game and football players are going to say football is team game. But, uh, I would say beyond, and again, from a bias perspective, it's defense is a team defense thing. You cannot screw up anywhere. And if you do screw up somewhere, uh, the other team's going to find it. You, you can't have a person that's out of position in saying that when someone does screw up, you have to go, okay, let's fix this because I can only do my job. I can't do your job and my job at the same time. And what happens when Oklahoma gets punched in the mouth is it starts becoming, all right, well this, you know, Hey, the last time this route happened, the safety missed his protection. So I'm going to make sure that I play deeper because I know he missed his protection last time. Well, now you're trying to do two jobs and it opens it up in the middle. And then, okay, well, because the safety missed his job and the linebacker tried to play a little bit deeper, the other linebacker goes, hey, the other linebacker was out of position on this one. So I'm gonna fade over to his side. So now you have three guys out of position and it just starts to become this domino effect where people stop doing their job and they start trying to do everyone else's. And then it becomes, you're out of position, you are doing this thing wrong and I you don't trust anything of anyone being open or, or anyone doing the thing they're doing. And it starts just becoming no one's in the right spot. And if no one's in the right spot on defense, everyone's in the right spot on offense. So when you miss tackles, you start blowing coverages. Like th- that, I think he ended up getting run out at like the one maybe. But when that little running back for Kansas State caught the ball, it was like a seven-yard pressure release valve, throw it to the, to the running back. And they're like seven missed tackles because they started trying to do everything. They start trying to be the guy that's on – you know, the old Monday night football thing of jacked up. Like they start trying to do everything themselves and it's not about team defense anymore. Whereas a good defense, you generally look at Iowa state as an example of what good team defense is. And there's like seven dudes in your color Jersey waiting to be around the tackle when it's made, or you're forcing the quarterback out of the pocket and no one's scrambling to go, you know, you have, someone else who's there to, pre- to relieve the pressure and your guys can stay in coverage. Like you, you play together. So Oklahoma, you know, again, long-winded answer, but one of the things that they do poorly, when they start getting when when things start going against them is they start trying to do everyone else's job except theirs. And then you end up, no, one's doing their job. So yes, there is a chance to score, especially if you can hit them hard, but don't pretend that if you play coverage, like you did against TCU, that you're not going to give up. 450 yards passing because they're going to find you know they got every one of their receivers is six foot one and or six foot one plus and runs a four four so you got to cover better so those are the things that coming into this week they got still got to get cleaned up but all in all m- leaps and bounds better than week one there's still leaps and bounds left to be made
0: all right really quick before we sign off i have to Give a quick shout out to Authentic Brand. Authentic Brand is more than just your source for official Cyclone gear. With an amazing team of designers, Authentic Brand can custom manufacture polo shirts, jackets, caps, bags, and beyond for your team or small business. Check them out online at authentic-brand.com. Look authentic, feel authentic, be authentic. All right, Jeff, we'll, uh, I'll talk to you again at 3.30 on Saturday on the Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Program powered by the Iowa Pork Producers. Uh on fourteen sixty K X no now one hundred six point three FM. Sounds good?
1: Sounds like a plan, man.
0: All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk soon.